Hello and welcome to the Nish Guarda YouTube podcast series uh, powered by citiesabc.com and openmusicscouncil.org and as well in co-production with fashionabc.org. Once again, we are here to profile uh, fantastic leaders and creators and innovators that are changing the world of technology, the world of leadership, and as well shifting the world and trying to create new narratives about how we can actually look at technology solutions and as well, how we can actually look at society and people, how to do new business, new solutions, and new um, sustainable uh, variations of what we can do as humans and as society. So today, I, I'm quite excited to welcome to our YouTube channel someone quite young, but uh, full of energy, and has been showing um, a lot of capacity that is quite exceptional, special for his age. Uh, so I welcome to our series, Ta Nizan the CEO and founder of HKs, and as well a very high-profile personality on the NFT world, which I know from some time before he, he achieved all of this, actually from a family perspective, and as well created over 40 NFT collections uh, and counting. So uh, HKs is a platform to create, launch, and distribute digital assets um, and on web 3.0 to non-web 3.0 audiences. And... Um, is quite innovative and they're going to be talking about that because it's looking at uh, blockchain solutions applied to a lot of different areas. Um, as well, Ty has an extensive background, although he's quite young, he's only 20-somethings, early 20s. So they're going to be talking about that, although being a, a young entrepreneur working in uh, blockchain solutions for both textiles, cybersecurity and stock markets. And as well, of course, creating HKs, that is a platform that allows users to access NFTs without ever using to create a Web3 account, which I think is going to be a big thing, especially to democratize and scale technology and NFT technology. And as well, uh, Ta has been actually very uh, um, involved in the NFT community. He actually helped solve and uh, partly improve and innovate uh, in the NFT ECR uh, 1155 for Polygon standards of NFTs, which is quite a big achievement. And help as well solve a lot of bags and solutions on that direction. Um, and I think I'm particularly excited to see how someone so young can actually cope and build something innovative. And actually, it's been actually making some money with the NFT, which I think is important for people listening to us because most of people are losing money. So let's make sure how to make some money on this. But this is not a very important legal disclaimer. This is not about um, teaching people how to trade or invest, but as well, uh, initiative and the importance of having action. So, Ta, welcome to our series. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here and always a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. So, Ty, I want to start with, so you are 22 or 23? I'm almost 24 now. Okay, so you are 23 and a half. Okay, so very good. So you're quite young. And I want to start uh, because I think people, it's, normally people coming to me, the age group is probably 40s over. Um, but I think what I'm interesting is that uh, with such a young age, which most of the people are still in university, you are already super entrepreneurial doing things that are really having a lot of impact in technology and, of course, working with the likes of Polygon and a lot of others. So um, give us a bit of your personal background from education to family, first work, and, of course, uh, uh, how do you end up where you are right now? Okay, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, our family has always been of the entrepreneurial bent. Both my parents are entrepreneurs. They have their own law firm. So they've always encouraged us to do things the right way. And... Um, I was, I was fortunate to be part of a very prestigious college back in India. 
where I met some really nice people. We got together and started building things out. One of the most interesting technology that was emerging back when I was in college was blockchain and how Web3 was transforming the world. This was a little after the whole slump that Bitcoin had gone through after the 2017 bull run. So we started understanding how blockchain works fundamentally, what can be done with it. And at the time being, NFTs were a very, very nascent concept. So we ended up creating a DAO without knowing to call it a DAO because that time the word DAO wasn't as popular just yet. So we created our own Web3 community of people who would vote and engage and interact and you know run competitions. And we had a little bit of gamification around this NFT collection that we launched. That started doing exceedingly well. And since we were still early in the NFT game, we managed to get into the top five globally on OpenSea, which even then was the largest marketplace in the world. So after seeing that we were capable of making some big moves, we wanted to do something along these lines on a larger scale. So I ended up going and working as the head of blockchain of a Hong Kong based organization. I had built a lot of NFTs over there. That's also the time when I met Polygon because <clears throat> this is when Polygon was starting to reach out to people who are building on Ethereum as a potential scaling solution, especially someone who was on the deep tech side of things the way we were. And again, it's, it's fortunate that the launch of the Polygon testnet is in the same city that I live in. So I got to meet the founders, got to meet really nice people at Polygon. They were very helpful. They're very supportive. They gave us a lot of ideas of what we could do. And so we, start, we started simultaneously building on Ethereum as well as Polygon. Additionally, um, I had joined a sustainability company. And around this time, there was a lot of talk about how Ethereum NFTs, back then it was proof of work. So Ethereum NFTs were extremely bad for the environment and energy intensive. And so Polygon became a very natural scaling solution. And Ethereum became more of a settlement layer because at the end of the day, the value sits on Ethereum. So that was my first foray into Web3, especially on the NFT side of things. And it's been an absolute roller coaster since then. We started building a lot of connections, got a little bit of know-how, made some really close friends and got a little bit of experience and started creating our own incubator through which we got to incubate all the NFT projects, as you said. So that was my background. Well, quite impressive, and I, I like that you've been really super active. So, so from um, for people listening to us, and of course uh, there are um, different people. So you mentioned the importance of uh, being close to entrepreneurs like the founders of Polygon and as well incubators. So, for someone so young with you, like like you, what was the parts that make a difference in your um, young and and for now very short entrepreneurial experience? Besides your parents, of course. All oh, right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So we noticed that there were a lot of people who were able to build and launch their own very successful enterprises right from the college that I was in itself. And we realized that becomes increasingly more possible once you realize what is the leading edge of technology. Like if you see where most startups come out of, they always come out in AI, they always come out in supply chain, they always come out in blockchain, maybe not so much in something like, you know, mining, maybe not so much in something like textiles because those businesses have so much pedigree and so much volume into it. It's just hard for a new emerging entrepreneur to make any headway into that. So we started understanding that blockchain is definitely something for the future, especially in Southeast Asia. It was something that was very little understood at the time that gave us a little bit of an advantage. Of course, having an engineering background was also a huge advantage because software development is something that we did quite extensively in college, but it was mostly the support system of the place we were in, right? I had friends, with various different skills who were all willing to come together. We were fortunate that we were living in the same place. So solving problems, brainstorming, coming up with ideas. I think that's super important. And another thing that we were fortunate to be in the Web3 ecosystem is that there is an extremely altruistic approach and there's an extremely collaborative sense in, in, in every Web3 community, which is 
very very important to promote more entrepreneurship so there was no there was no concept of people you know keeping secrets from us preventing us from getting information everyone's very you know likely to work with you collaborate with you look for ways to synergize make connections and make introductions and that really smoothened out our journey now fantastic so so let me right now go to uh, your company so you created uh, hk's and hk's is quite unique uh, so it's a platform that offers a novel custodial wallet solution that allows users to access their nfts without ever having to create a web3 zero account so can you explain how did you create the company and as well how it works and your solutions awesome so from a very philosophical standpoint we started realizing that nfts only make sense if there is some amount of utility that's associated with it but even though nft utility is super important one of the problems that we think is not solved very well is distribution so your average consumer who might want to use an nft does not have the means of accessing an nft without being onboarded onto the whole web3 ecosystem or the entire blockchain ecosystem now that according to me is a design flaw because web3 is simply a protocol and you know concepts like play to earn gaming concepts like tokens concepts like metaverse concepts like nfts there's something that have always existed and why it makes a lot of sense for a small part of that to actually exist on web3 and while web3 can greatly enhance that effect it's not necessary for these concepts to be married so to speak with web3 so we decided that clearly something needs to be done for your consumer who wants to engage with nfts but does not necessarily want to jump through all the hoops of web3 just yet over time they they likely will but at the moment it should not become a prerequisite to getting your first nft in addition to this we realize that it needs to have a very top down approach because whatever nfts tend to portray whether it's prominence whether it's proof of ownership proof of authenticity ownability of something that's that's very synonymous with what the entire pitch of the luxury brand industry is you buy luxury items simply because there's proof of ownership there's proof of authenticity you are part of a very exclusive community there is a sense of ownership of it so it made very much sense for this thing to be integrated with nfts and for the custodial wallet solution to work well with their users now when i say custodial wallet solution what i mean is that it allows you to create a web3 account that you can access through phone or email address so it's your own web3 account you can do whatever you want with it you can buy sell trade and all of those things you can even withdraw it into your own exclusively owned web3 account but for a users getting started into this ecosystem and getting onto our platform all you need is a phone or an email to get onto it and one of the main novelties that we've managed to achieve is that the platform is absolutely gasless what we mean by gasless is that there is gas and gas means transaction um, amounts that you need to pay whenever you run a transaction on the blockchain so while that amount is still there the platform has taken it upon itself to pay that on behalf of the user meaning that anybody with a phone or email address or even a wallet address that's devoid of any assets can come engage with nfts be a part of the exclusive community of their own brands brands can start having advanced customer relationship management brands can have loyalty rewards brands can have exclusive communities and token gated access and the community members can own and transfer and potentially going forward monetize these assets without necessarily being entirely onboarded onto with the web3 ecosystem that's our vision well it's a, it's a fantastic vision so i want to ask a couple of questions related with uh, with the way it works because i think one of the biggest challenge we have right now is definitely having people first of all understanding the nfts and as well the number of people using nfts is still very small it's only around 2 3 million people and most of the people actually on the top edge um, um are managing substantial money but in in the low 
I would say the majority is very small. So the adoption is still very small, actually, the adoption of the entire blockchain. So can you tell us, and I think your solution in HKs is really to democratize, a bit like PayPal did in the beginning of the internet, that it was an email that actually could be used to open this. So tell us the parallels about this, and as well, from your generation perspective as well, someone that is quite young, that is much more digital savvy, how people can use this in a better way. Because one of the things I try to do here is democratize these things. But unfortunately, from the theory to the practice, we are actually still the, the top of the iceberg. So if the rest of the iceberg is very far from, from understanding these concepts. Exactly. So it's a very interesting thing you mentioned, right? That there are very few people today who have actually ever owned or used or even seen an NFT. But on the contrary, there are so many people today that have or own an asset that can be categorized as an NFT. Things like driver's licenses, things like birth certificates, things like, you know, company loyalty cards and loyalty programs, things like club memberships or student ID cards, all of these things technically satisfy the definition of an, of an NFT. It's just that they aren't on Web3. They're in the real world or they're on Web2 and they're digitally stored. Now, the thing about them being digitally stored is that all the data and all the verification is in a centralized server or in a centralized backend system. If you could put this into Web3, you can make it immutable and you can make it way more secure. So there's definitely a case to be made for having these things into Web3. But the moment you make it such that the only way your end user can interact with these assets is through Web3, you're losing the customer because people are extremely averse to adopting new technologies on their own. So what? So the only way that this will start getting traction is that, of, of course, people have very quickly started understanding the merits of using Web3, but that does not mean the users should have to interact with it themselves. So if you look at how PayPal works, right? PayPal essentially creates an email authentication system that then lets you connect your credit card and then make bank transfers. And not too many people are exactly aware of how a credit card transfer is being debited to someone else's bank account. That's not something we can do ourselves. We know that PayPal has that technology figured out and we use a very simple UI, which is what we're used to in our everyday lives. So the goal with us is to make an asset that's backed on Web3, justify it being backed on Web3 because it's immutable, it's increasingly more secure and it's something that's open source. So it's a lot more secure and impervious to any kind of attack or data manipulation. Even though it makes sense to have it there, I don't think it makes sense for your end customer to have to understand these things un un unnecessarily. So Ta, I'm sharing your uh, website. And, uh, and I think what we have here is that uh, I think your thesis is adding real world utility to NFTs and helping brands create, launch and distribute NFTs to a non-Web3, like we discussed. So let's discuss how this goes, the user journey. And of course, you are working with the likes of Polygon, OpenSea, Phantom and Chainlink, which is uh, the biggest NFT players. So I think the challenge precisely on NFTs is making people feel secure of this because it's very difficult. If you go to MetaMask, you might lose the, the wallet name and then it coming back is a nightmare. Then then you, if you're not crypto savvy, it's a nightmare. And of course, I'm not even talking about the gas fees. Um, so I, I wanted for people listening to us, I think 90% don't understand this to say 99. Even the most savvy still have problems. So can you, can you tell us how this works? Absolutely. So you see the sign in on the top, right? Yeah. Right. So once you click over there, you should be able to sign in with your email address, right? You have Google login. That's makes it super easy. If not, you can sign up and add your own phone and email and for uh, user ID and password. So once you're signed in, this becomes a single source of signing on, which you just need to do once. 
Now, any NFT that you claim on this platform, it resides in a wallet that's created for you and you can use it with your email address. So that means that you can sell that NFT, you can trade it, you can transfer it to someone else, you can put it up on sale. And it's all this is happening at the back end on the blockchain. <clears throat> and any sort of transaction cost, since we're building on Polygon, is extremely minimal. And so the platform is bearing that on, on your behalf. And it allows you to interact with an NFT without necessarily creating your own Web3 wallet address and still have the incentive or still have the insights or still have the advantage of using a blockchain-backed asset, which you genuinely own. One thing that people don't fully understand is that the digital assets that they have in several places, they don't exactly own them. They're stored on a centralized server that they have access to conditionally. On this platform, you can take it and put it on any other platform that you want. If you log in with your wallet address onto a marketplace like OpenSea or Rarible or any other marketplace, your NFT stays with you. You can decide to transfer it from this blockchain onto another blockchain once bridging is enabled. You can decide to transfer it from this. You can decide to even dis destroy the asset. And there's an there's like a complete end-to-end -end audit trail of where the asset has been, how long it has been active, what data is it has had, and what actions have been taken on it. And that's extremely impactful for something that's a high ticket value. So, so we are thinking along the lines of people who buy luxury watches can have certificates of authenticity and warranties enabled in this way. They can have proof of ownership of these assets that they most probably keep stored in a vault or don't display and carry around with them on a day-to-day -day basis and since how and given how digital the world is becoming especially with metaverse adoption on the horizon people will be able to carry these assets with them into whichever metaverse they go to as well <clears throat> so it gives you that added layer of benefit it gets you into the web3 world it takes you from real to digital and, and vice versa without necessarily going through the web3 journey upfront. of course it's an integral part of the process and I'm, I'm assuming and i hope that most of the users who sign on to our platform at some point do explore the Web3 ecosystem and set up their wallets and do so. And that's why if you see on the sign-in section, you can sign in with a MetaMask wallet also. So that's something that we built. That's something that we hope that people, you know, continue to use. But um, at the moment, this is your, this is the tip of the iceberg for you into your journey into NFTs. Thank you so much. So let me ask you a couple of questions. I didn't want to go and sign up here because we are in a public audience. I think it's always no good problem. to keep our privacy. But uh, so from case studies, you mentioned the process and the onboarding. So tell us about some clients or some case studies that you can actually share with our audience. Sure. So we have some really interesting case studies that make a lot of sense. So we have Pepper Content. Uh, Pepper Content is India's largest content marketing or content writing platform. They recently raised 14.3 million and will start expanding overseas as well. They've launched a new product called Pepper Docs and Pepper AI, which, has more, which enables more collaborative writing. And they want their events to be token gated. So people who perform actions on their platform, write a certain amount of material, write it up to a certain standard. They should get access to mentorship. They should get access to collaborating with each other. They should get access to events where they get to hear from the leaders in the industry. And so they've started using NFT to give this out to people. So that they can continually engage with it and don't necessarily need to sign up for each, you know, follow-up event. So that's a huge advantage. Um, another one that we're talking to is this company called Setu. Um, they make plant-based nutrition. So plant-based nutrition is something that's a lifestyle change that's quickly sweeping over the world, especially in the age group that I am in. And they want to give people the access to having one-on-one -on -one sessions with their nutritionists if they've made a certain amount of purchases or if they've purchased certain products and give them that additional benefits that unlocks. And for that, NFTs is a very natural way of going about it. One that I really like is this platform called Master G. 
what they do is that they help women from impoverished regions in india start they they upskill them train them on how to become seamstresses and tailors and then they help them build their own materials and build their own clothes and then take these things to market what we're doing with master g is that we're nftizing a qr code in the tag that goes out with these items so that when you buy one of these clothes you are also buying into a story of why this is important why this is impactful and why this is promoting social good in the country that you're from and so their nfts make a lot of sense so these are some of the more exciting ones there are also other ones that we're doing with a very high level of gamification like music festivals with a whole bunch of easter eggs and hidden tasks and side performances where everywhere you go there's geo location and you scan a qr code and your nft slowly slowly gets more and more layers added to it and as a as a visitor or as a spectator your task is to go to every experience and make sure you get the whole cumulative experience and you're rewarded with a complete nft at the end of the day so these are some of the more exciting ones that we're doing it's great to see that brands are being super innovative with how they can use nfts to drive or deliver experiences that can't be done normally and we're super excited about now it's quite impressive and, and i think it's really i wish that you can actually take this forward because we really need that especially from the innovation perspective and the practicalities so um i want to i want to talk right now in terms of uh, the democratization of nfts especially in your generation so i i have uh, um of course a lot of people in your age that i see that are consuming nfts actually a lot in india but for instance the crypto situation is still very sensitive and the gas feeds so what is your experience from your generation perspective and as well from the group of people that you have involved how do you tackle the gas feeds and for instance things like open sea 70% of nfts are fake or different parts so and of course we have the ethereum merger but i don't want to make this interview outdated so um a bit how do you see these different trends a bit bigger uh, and how you suggest some solutions besides of course what you're doing in the context of what you're doing right absolutely so um usually on the case of gas and network fees it's a responsibility of the products or the projects to try and solve that problem for their consumers because you don't want to overwork the network that being said you still want to achieve a point where a lot of people geographically will be active at, at around that point so it's a very fine balance to hit but personally the way or rather what my approach has been to getting into nft projects is that i always focus very much on the roadmap and very much on the team the two things that matter to me in an nft project is what they want to do and whether the team that is promising this is capable of delivering it or not the reason why that's super important is because it's it's a very well known fact that a lot of nft projects are about show and hype and there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day a lot of brands are about that as well however you need to know that the people working behind it the people conceptualizing this understand the ethos that you want to believe in and want to build that out organically and doing that amount of due diligence generally takes a lot of time because there's a lot of fluff so to speak that you need to go through which is prevalent in every project i mean a project would not be successful if they didn't at least upsell or overpromise a little bit which is quite understandable but making that effort trying to understand the ethos of the people that are working behind why they want to do what they do actually spending the man hours of attending twitter spaces attending amas seeing what kind of answers that they're giving seeing how their team is composed of how long these people have been working together what they want to achieve what their previous experiences are how they see this whole thing shaping out it only puts things into perspective and basically puts you in a situation where you're trying to understand whether you want to be involved in this journey or not because definitely plans change things change as you go ahead more and more information comes to the surface you can take better decisions accordingly and that 
you have to trust the team behind the project to be able to make the smart choice and deliver accordingly which is what i like completely and i think very good advice for people listening to us so so now i want to touch uh, the web3 and the metaverse so NFTs, of course, is one of the doors of the internet, as as I call it, um, and the the doors of the keys actually that open the the certification to get in the proper entrance in the web. So we have, in one end, the concept of Web 3.0, the context of metaverse, which I legal disclosure I'm involved quite significant, both entrepreneurial and as as well as thought leader. But there's a lot of concepts here that are very concept, very very complex, and as well. Most of the people are still confusing what is Web 3.0, what is Metaverse, or the different Metaverse you're creating. So how do you see your work and your contest in the case of these two concepts? Okay, that's, like, that's an amazing way to look at it. So I think the easiest way for a layman to understand is Web 3 is a protocol on which all of these things run. And the reason why that like Web 3 existing makes all these things a lot more efficient, it makes them make a lot more sense. It allows people to own their own assets, which is extremely important. The metaverse is something that's obviously going to take over the world by storm. I mean, my personal hypothesis is that, and I'm not the only one who says this, so my, but my personal hypothesis is that today we perceive the internet in a, very, in a very 2D way. And a lot more years from now, I feel like the entire internet is going to take up on a very 3D shape in our lives, simply because we have so many senses to perceive it from. And the platforms that we're engaging with would want to engage those senses. So the metaverse is something that's almost inevitable at this point. Um, of course, it has its own limitations, both in terms of technology as well as bandwidth, which is something that's being progressively improved. How NFTs tie into this is because at the end of the day, you need to have assets that you can store and hold that need to be lightweight, that need to conform to certain standards. So it's very easy and they're cross-platform compatible because just like how it happens with file sizes and file types, it's also going to start happening with blockchains and metaverses. And NFT could be that one common standard that's applicable across across various places and that's easy to shift around. And the moment you get into a metaverse, your NFT unlocks all the access and all the things you get in this metaverse, which again, not necessarily needs to be on Web3, but having the access token or having your key to it or having the NFT, which is your proof of ownership and proof of authenticity, it makes a lot of sense for that to be very securely on Web3. So that's how I look at it. Web3 is the protocol on which a small part of the metaverse will run. And NFTs will be like keys to this metaverse or access tokens to this metaverse, which if they are on Web3 is better for everybody. And if there is a platform that allows you to engage with something or interact with something that's on Web3 without you necessarily getting into Web3, which is what we've built, then Hashcase is the perfect solution for that as well. Completely. And I think it's that the biggest challenge right now is how we, we get into these doors and to these keys. Because the challenge right now is how we can actually do it for good and different parts. So I want to ask you one more personal question. So you're quite young, and I know that you're super digital, and you're from a, a family that back you up and so forth. So, so and as well, I think I want to touch as well the context of India. So India is is right now the fifth biggest economy. Congratulations, you guys passed Thank UK you. where I am. Um, and as well, I think in the next three years or four is going to be probably the third. And there are some studies saying that it might become the second passing in the United States until 2050. So there's a lot of still, um, in one end, legacy systems. And then young people that are working in terms of technologies like you and me. And then the rest of the world really being completely not even digital. So that's still a lot of challenge. 
So being in India and being part of these waves of innovation and Polygon was created in India, which is probably right now one of the biggest blockchain protocols and as well uh, uh, cryptos. How do you see all of this? And now you see actually in the context of your own ecosystem, both India, uh, tech system and world, because it's quite complex, everything happening right now. Right, absolutely. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's something that definitely does get discussed in India a lot. Um, fortunately, the builders are in a much better situation than the speculators and the investors. It, it they, Those people really need to think a lot before getting involved on in this. Now, um, there is a lot of confusion between what Web3 is and what blockchain is. Uh, similarly, there's a lot of confusion between what crypto is. So now that instead of understanding one concept, people need to understand all three of them. And the legislations haven't really caught up with grasping fundamentally what these things are, how they are different and what makes one different from the other and what can be done with one and what can't be done with the other. So that's something that's going to take a little bit of time, is going to take a little bit of education. Uh, since I've gotten into the space, I've noticed a lot of people, you know, taking the leadership on this, doing a lot on those in that sense. I myself have been going and giving a lot of talks and events and being on panels and giving interviews and trying to like, you know, give my two cents so that people try to understand a little bit better. Um, what I've noticed is that all the events and talks that I go to give, I've noticed a very good audience response, like thousands of people coming at once to understand a little bit about this from someone who's put in a fair amount of time and the early stages of his career into it. So it's very great to see that a lot of people are coming forward to listen to this. That means that goes to show that the audiences are definitely ready and want to change and want to understand and want to embrace this new technology. Definitely regulations haven't caught up with it as yet, but over time, I'm sure they will. Um, people who know what they're building, people who understand the difference between Web3 and blockchain and crypto and how one of how they are interdependent yet different in, in whatever way they are different. Um, those people obviously have nothing to worry about, especially since, I mean, builders have to always build. And um, there is a lot of support system in terms of understanding legalities in India, especially with both my parents being lawyers. So it is important. It is definitely something that's going to take a little bit of time. There is a teething period that needs to happen. And of course, there's going to be a lot of fear of this new technology that people don't understand. And mistakes are going to be made. Slip-ups are going to happen. People are going to have bad experiences. But I'm pretty sure the good in this outweighs the bad. And it's about being hungry. It's about going out there and trying to consume as much knowledge and information as you can, attending Twitter spaces, attending talks that people like myself give, and trying to understand what people are trying to say, and then doing your own research so that you are in a good place. And knowing about Web3 and being involved in Web3 at this point, I think is a massive advantage going forward, simply because you're at the forefront of where technology is moving towards. And that's a huge advantage. Well said. And I think very important as well. And I think this makes a parallel with the beginning of new wave of technology, like the web.com, the, the .com in the beginning, and a lot of the innovations that we have. Of course, the challenge is the, the velocity and how this changes and impacts uh, society. So um, I want to thank you for your time. I think we, we've been accelerated. I think this will be the first of a lot because I want to do a couple of series of interviews about the practicalities. Absolutely. So so to finish, uh, so uh, tell us where people can find you, um, both you and the organization and uh, the links. Of course, we'll put all of this in uh, behind the air in the YouTube or in the podcast, wherever people are listening to us. But it's always good to hear from your mouth and as well our people. Are you trying to take the roadmap to take and make this a global powerhouse company? Exactly. We're trying to do it and we're taking a very top-down approach. So it's going to be a little slow in the start, but it'll definitely start gaining speed and momentum as we go forward. I think the easiest place to find me is on Twitter. 
I try to be a little more active on Twitter because that's where I learned a lot from. It's, it's kind of like me giving back at this point. So I try to be fairly active on Twitter. But yeah, Twitter, LinkedIn, anything works. I'm very open to you know inbound requests of people who want to talk and discuss and potentially work together and do something forward. And it's going to be interesting to see how brands adapt and embrace and leverage the power of NFTs to not only gain a foot up on each other, but just deliver a more meaningful experience to their audiences as some of the foreign brands have already done to great effect. So it's very, going to be very interesting to see that. And I'm very happy that I'm going to be a part of it. So I'm really excited and would be very happy to hear from anyone who wants to talk. Fantastic. So congratulations, first of all, I've been accompanying you when you are still much younger, <laughs> which is in your case, you're still very young. So I'm very proud of you and what you're achieving. And I hope that we can talk soon about the new developings both for you and as well for all the, the fantastic developings on Ash case. So for everyone listening, thank you so much. And especially for you, Ty, it was a pleasure to have you here. The first of all, Laura. My pleasure. Yes, thank you very much.